Hello, I'm David Oakes and this is a special season of Trees A Crowd. This season, it's all a little bit different. There's more trees, there's more me, we have a Patreon account, and we have the catchiest of jingles ever recorded to promote a series of podcasts all about trees. So, without further whiffle, getting between you and Queen Anne's box, over to Bella. Uprooting the secrets and stories beneath the 56-ish native trees of the British Isles. This week, tree number four. Box, Buxus Sempervirens. There is an Elizabethan herbalist called John Gerard, who I have a bit of a man crush on. In 1597, he produced a one and a half thousand page fully illustrated guide to herbs, trees and flowers that showed you not only how to identify a plant and where to find it, but also provided a list of its vices and its virtues. I'll almost certainly be mentioning him a fair bit as this series progresses, but in regards to the box tree, his herbal says, It is more fit for making dagger shafts than to make medicines. Though foolish empirics and women leeches do minister it against the apoplexy and such diseases. For now, I'll politely ignore the fact the box has been used to treat everything from gout and intestinal worms to HIV and malaria, but jump straight on to what he says about the box tree's leaves. Gerard says... The leaves of the box tree are hot, dry and astringent, and of an evil and loathsome smell. Box does have quite a unique smell, although I wouldn't go so far as him and call it evil. Anyway, a hundred years after Gerard, rumour has it that Queen Anne similarly hated the smell of box. Here's Terry Goth, the head of Estates and Gardens at Hampton Court, a previous guest of the podcast, to illuminate this a little further. It is recorded that Queen Anne had all the box work removed from the parterres in the Great Fountain Garden and the Privy Garden at Hampton Court because she disliked the smell of box. And Terry goes on to say, However, the most likely scenario is that she hated William III more and his Dutch style of gardening, which she and Sir Christopher Wren saw as being continental and over-elaborate. Her and Wren had not only the box scrollwork removed, but they also removed fountains and beds and laid out the parterres in what they termed a plainer and more noble manner. The new layout was also cheaper to maintain, which would have also influenced the new designs, with Anne under pressure from the Treasury to restrain expenditure on the Royal Gardens, which under William and Mary was at record levels. So nothing to do with the smell at all. She was just broke, and Christopher Wren, another one of my historical crushes, hated the continental frippery of ornamental boxwork. Speaking of wrens, and you are going to love this segue, there is a wren called the Buick's wren, or Thryomanes buicki to give it its scientific name. This bird was christened by the legendary American ornithologist John James Audubon in honour of the prolific British twitcher Thomas Buick. Keep with me. Who, whilst we're here, is also how the Buick swan got its name too. Anyway, Buick's books were revered and devoured by everyone from Charlotte Bronte to William Wordsworth, but not really for his words. 
His books, such as A History of British Birds and a reprinting of Aesop's Fables, were accompanied by incredibly detailed wood carvings that Ruskin compared to Veronese and to Turner and said that the way he had represented a bird's feathers was the most masterly thing ever done in woodcutting. As an engraver, Buick went against the grain, literally and metaphorically. He thought outside the box, if you will. The secret to Buick's success was, you probably guessed it, the wood he used, and the wood he used was box. It's the hardest of our native woods. It doesn't have any knots or growth rings. It doesn't even float. Using boxwood, Buick could make finer lines and even produce different shades of grey. But the potential for box's creativity doesn't end there. Being both hard and water-resistant, the wood is ideal for making musical instruments. Flutes, violin pegs, oboes are all often made from it. Now, my sister is an oboist, so I called her up when I discovered this to ask her if she had a box oboe. She replied, My oboe is made from grenadilla. Grenadilla is also known as African blackwood or umpingo. It looks very similar to ebony and, like many beautiful hardwoods, it is a near-threatened tree species. Near-threatened in this instance being its actual conservation status as deemed by the IUCN. It's slow to grow overfarmed and often illegally felled. Now, unfortunately, my sister kept on talking. She said, Are you buying me a new oboe for Christmas? If you are, I quite like the cocobolo ones. Cocobolo, like umpingo, is a tropical hardwood and, again, an increasingly endangered one. It was recently given protected status by CITES in 2017. Now, I mention all of this not simply to embarrass my music-loving and, I promise, woodland-loving sister. And for the record, my clarinet is also made from umpingo but to highlight the plight of trees as a resource worldwide and the illegal trade that follows it. In 2010, the illegal sale of elephant ivory, rhino horn and tiger parts in Asia was worth an estimated $75 million. But the trade in exporting illegal timber from Southeast Asia to the European Union was worth an estimated $3.5 billion. But it's not all doom and gloom. People and organisations are doing what they can to reverse this trend. To single out just one, there is an amazing organisation called Clarinets for Conservation. They're based in Tanzania and their aim is to take music and tree planting out to the communities alongside a message of conservation and sustainability. In their words, students of the programme serve a vital role in educating their families and community members about the importance of protecting natural resources. Anyway, that's not about boxwood exactly. So to end this episode, let me just say that you're very unlikely to come across boxwood growing wild in Britain. You're more likely to find it in an old lady's garden. In fact, it's so rare in the wild that many believe the species to not be native to our shores at all. But if you head to Surrey, you will find a hill covered by mammals. By which I mean middle-aged men in lycra. They'll be sweating profusely as they propel their bicycles up a hill. Now, the hill in question is called Box Hill. It's where Jane Austen took Emma for a picnic. It hosted cycling events during the 2012 London Olympics. And it gets its name from the trees that grow wild there. Box trees. Some suggest this population of trees was planted during the reign of Charles I, but going back further, local surnames during the 13th century include Atterbox, Dullabox and Buxetto, and we all know how keen the people of the 13th century were to name themselves for nearby wild shrubs. So, if you fancy a picnic in the company of a Regency gentleman and can stomach the cyclists, head to Box Hill. The trees are wonderful, it's managed by our National Trust, and the views are astounding. Next week... The spindle. But until then, I'll hand over to my sister and her tropical hardwood. Bye-bye.